You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I'm Marcus, and it is the 19th of March. We've had some lousy weather this week, haven't we? It's been pretty lousy, and um, we've gone from the shirt sleeves of um, February. That's such an old expression, but from the shirt sleeves of February to the uh, coats and um, scarves of March, and uh, I've been carrying on with my rehearsing every week and my health kick and when I say health kick in the past was usually frying chips with a window open but this time it's walking it's exercising it's trying to get fit and I've been taking some more questions from you excellent people out there so I'm going to get straight on with it this week because I listened back to last week's podcast and I rambled a bit at the start but I was proud of myself I'd played a show I'd streamed it I'd learned a bit about technology um, I will clear up one little thing, and that is this is um, another one of those rare sessions where I am uh, recording this in my car. It's the only opportunity I've got this week to go through the questions. So I'm just taking a bit of a break and uh, going to have a work through. So I'm going to start with a question from Rick in Basildon. And Rick says, hi, Marcus. We've played, I have played a few streamed shows, but I don't get many people watching live. Is there a better way to promote it? Or is there a different way of looking at it as it can be a little bit disheartening at times? Hello, Rick. My experience of um, performing um, live stream was that at the time I probably only had about 40 or 45 people watch the show live. But it's had over 350 views. So even if it's not watched at the time... The fact that it's live gives you the energy and it becomes a performance. And also the fact that um, you are then putting yourself out there for people to then watch it a bit later on. You see, they can, people don't have to watch it live in order for you to get to that many people. It's the same as everything else. You know, adverts are not live at the time, adverts are filmed, but it's how many people watch them afterwards. So as long as you're, you enjoy the the um, energy of performing live. You can then um, take that and send that out there, um, and people can, if, providing you leave it on the on the relevant site, and providing you're careful with, um, you know, you obviously put at the bottom you don't own the copyright if you're playing covers. Then um, I don't see any reason why you should have any any issues at all. Many many people are going to watch it after that, even if it's a month later, if it's on there. They might stumble across it, or you can always share it. So do it and put it out there. The way of looking at it is you're probably going to reach two or 300 people. It's just that you're not going to watch it at the time. I mean, my when I um, did it, I suddenly did a couple of adverts, or I went live a couple of times where I played a, a song and just said, look, I'm thinking about doing a show. I'll be here Monday. Be nice if you can join me uh, for my show. I'll be at 6 o'clock. And then... I did some adverts for it, if you like, or some promotional stuff on Facebook. And then I managed, I think I, the most people I had at one time was something like uh, 58, which isn't bad, bearing in mind it was 6 o'clock on a Monday, and I only advertised it from the Saturday, and I, and I don't have many friends on Facebook um, because I really use Facebook as a business. I don't really use it as a personal thing. Nothing against anybody. It's just I don't, I don't use it really for that. So there's a part of me that wishes I had as many friends as I used to have on there. And I used to, I used the word friends in inverted commas, of course, because somebody once gave me a light outside WH Smith's in 1991 and remembers me. That, that's not a friend, is it? But 
The way of looking at it, Rick, is that it's not about how many people you get at the time. It's, it's a little bit like uh, Stereophonics might play, you know, the Cardiff Millennium Stadium, and they can only get about 80,000 people in there. But because they film it and give people the opportunity to watch the show afterwards, they sell millions of DVDs. So do the performance at the time and make sure it's a good one, but be prepared that after that you'll get some views. So promote it by advertising it, put an advert on Facebook. Don't do the ones that cost you money, though. Just on your page, create an event. And really just, I've come into it quite late, to be honest. There's a part of me that wishes I'd done this a year ago, but there's another part of me that quietly enjoyed the year out, not having to think about it, not having to concentrate on anything. So promote it by doing it as an event. Maybe invite people to the event, if you like. And then at the time, just enjoy the fact that you're going out live and you're entertaining live and let people after that come in and watch it on a delay or an hour later or a couple of days later i had a couple of people message me saying just saw your show really enjoyed it i'm sorry i didn't catch it live but i still watched it and they've still enjoyed it and they've still watched it as if it was live and these days to, to, to change the subject completely rick but in these days of sky plus and uh watching the football you know 20 minutes behind because you didn't get home from the from the from the pub until 20 past three or whatever but watching it as if it's live doesn't really take anything away from the enjoyment of it match of the day everybody that supports any football team knows the result but still tunes in in the evening to see what the what the show was like and what the game was like so just perform at the time and enjoy it promote it by doing it as an event but be prepared that once you've done it you make sure you do it properly because if you leave it on there you'll be up into the three four hundred views within about 10 days, if, if it's anything like mine. So, you know, mine wasn't anything special. I don't mean that, you know, in, in a funny way. So just do it and enjoy it, Rick. And don't let it dishearten you. Don't let it worry you because everything works at our level, grassroots level, word of mouth. People saying, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? All the promotion in the world doesn't make any difference unless you've got your mate snuggling up next to you in the van and saying, have you seen this TikTok video or this this concert or this bloke singing. So even for all the... When I say snuggling, by the way, I mean sort of... I meant to say sidling up to you. The mates that I travel in the band with don't snuggle up to me very often. Anyway, enough about that. But yeah, don't be disheartened, Rick. Just do it, mate, and enjoy doing it. Neil from Mile End. Hello, Marcus. How do I get used to hearing myself when I'm singing? Um, I assume you mean, Neil, that transitional phase between singing and being able to hear yourself or hiding behind the sofa because you don't like what you hear it's it, you know it's not if it's about a monitor issue then make sure you've got enough monitors and make sure you've got so you, you know these days the in-ear monitoring and things like that is getting a lot more more affordable but i assume you mean how do i get to, used to the sound of my own voice i had to do it when i listen back to these uh, podcasts i'm amazed by how different I sound from when I'm when I'm talking, or at least I think I do. I'm always amazed by how common I am. Because when I'm talking, I feel like I'm being fairly well spoken. I'm I'm not quite trying to be, you know, that. But I like to think that I'm fairly well spoken. But like when I listen back to it, right, I sound like Boise. So it's really, really strange how we how we comprehend or how we uh, hear ourselves back. 
But the, 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 tr the truth of it is, the quick answer to get used to hearing yourself is that you need to, when you're singing, almost be able to step away from your own sound and to hear it in the same way that everybody else does. Now, that takes time, but the quick fix to that, Neil, is find the darkest area that you can find, whether it's a bedroom, whether it's the bathroom, where the blinds are shut, where the lights are off, and you can be in complete and utter darkness, and then sing. And you will hear your voice in a different way because you can't feel it as in, the, in the same sort of way. It's one of those things, if you take away one of the senses, all of the other senses kick in. So if you take away, you know, this, this, is, this is why um, if, you, if, you, uh, if you blindfold somebody or if somebody's blindfolded um, for, let's say, like hide and seek or something like that, you hear things in a different way or sometimes, um, you know, the other senses kick in. So the important thing is to get used to the sound of your own voice and most importantly to embrace it and to accept it and to remember that there's nothing that you can do about the way that you talk and the way that you sound. And you don't like it when you're having general, you know, if you don't like it when you're having general conversations, then you're not going to like it when you hear it back. But the most important thing is realize that, you know, you, you will get used to the sound of your own voice. You will be able to listen to it and to hear it in the same way as everybody else does. And that, that goes for other musicians as well. When you're singing live, the singers who sometimes you don't have great monitors, it's being able to pick your voice out in the wall of sound that comes from that stage. It's kind of, if you stand in the middle of a band when they're in full cry, and it's a little bit like, like being in the middle of a huge, great, big sort of wind tunnel with so many noises and yet it's kind of being in a railway track uh, hiding in a railway tunnel and listening to the train go past and trying to pick out a bird singing <laughs> at the other end of the track if you focus enough on it then you probably can do it the funny thing about doing what i do and my experiences from from talking to other singers as well neil is um and i'll get I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go on a little bit more in a minute about how you can get used to hearing your own voice. But when I've spoken to other singers, it's amazing how many times we can't always hear somebody next to us. But if we want to focus on a conversation 15, 20 foot away, we can do it. Because we're able to focus and to tune in to that frequency. It's a strange thing. So getting used to hearing yourself means you've got to tune to your own frequency and step away from your own voice and get used to how it sounds. And singing in the dark is the, is the best way. Recording yourself and playing it back without hiding behind the sofa and saying, oh, no, I'm not listening to that. That's another way, Neil. But embrace it, mate. It's not the worst sound in the world, I'm sure. And um, it's the biggest hurdle we have to get over because singing is so personal. Music is uh, singing so personal. Music, as in guitars and bass guitars and other instruments, the, the, the instrument becomes an extension of yourself, but it doesn't feel as personal. But singing is so personal and talking is so personal. And uh, I had to get used to it. I've had to get used to listening to these podcasts back. I, not that I listen to myself, but now and again, I'll just listen to, um, just after I record this, I'll probably just listen back just to make sure the level's okay and make sure I didn't say anything controversial. And believe me, I nearly have more than once so far. 
and had to stop myself, but the filter's on. But that's it. Sing in the dark, Neil. Get used to your own voice. Record yourself when you're singing in the dark and then listen back to it. Or um, alternatively, sing and then listen to it in the dark. But just take one of your senses away so you're able to listen back. I think most musicians out there, particularly if they've been recording from home, have at some time mixed a song or listened to a playback of an album in complete darkness or with the lights off and sat there and, and not being able to see the dials going round and the, and the speakers and the cogs. You've just sat in the darkness. I know I have. And I know a lot of musicians that have to listen to it in a different way. It gives you a different perspective. So to get a different perspective on your voice, sing in the dark. To get a different perspective as well, just to change the subject for a question I wasn't asked, but people might care. Always listen to music in a different way with the lights off, listen to a playback because then you're listening for levels and you're not actually, actually sort of looking. I know it sounds really strange, but you're not looking at the speakers. You're, you know, listening and let, letting the music uh, absorb you rather than trying to force it by looking at it. I hope that helps you, Neil, but good luck with it, mate, anyway. Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer-songwriter to take their journey to the next level, whether that be starting at the basics and building a solid foundation on your first instrument, learning the best ways to perform your first open mic, or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. With soundproofed walls and perfect ambience and acoustics, our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft, hone their skills and begin producing music. With over 29 years of experience in all areas of music, including songwriting, performing, production and tutoring, Marcus will help you get to where you want to be as a musician and performer. Go to www.innovationstudios.com for further information. Uh, Jan from Ramsgate. I'm going to be very unprofessional for a second, uh, Jan, but I'm going to open... A, a can of drink while I'm talking to you. Jan from Ramsgate. Jan says, Hi, Marcus. We are loving the podcast. How you don't blind us with science and explain things for us layman's. I just wondered, how important is it these days to still use a set list live and do you still send posters and promotional material out before your shows? Hello, Jan. First of all, thank you. I'm glad you like the podcast. And, and no, I don't try and blind you with science. There are two reasons for that. First of all, the professional reasons is I feel that you'll be able to understand things better and, and th people will be able to get a better grip on what I'm trying to say. But secondly, I like things in layman's terms because I don't always understand the technology. It's like when I meet other guitar players and they talk to me about, oh, this has got, this has got Delta Tone and it's uh, Seymour Duncan pickups. and it's, and it's and, I play guitars, but I, I wish I knew how they worked. And it's funny because people who play guitars automatically think that somebody else who plays guitar knows everything about them. But, you know, if I go to a mechanic, I don't start telling him his job. You know, oh, what are you going to do? You know, change the alternator. It's one of those strange things, Jen. But I, I try and keep it simple because I like it kept simple when things are explained to me. And I feel like you can, you can talk about compressors and limiters and reverbs and and um, all of that stuff and EQs and all that big stuff. 
But ultimately, somewhere along the line, you've got to say that little button on the right or that little button on the left, you know, because that's the way it is. So I do it because I try to help everybody to understand in the easiest possible way. How important is it to use a set list still? And do I still send posters? The band, the, the Oasis tribute band, use a set list, but it's not the same every night. We write it out before we go on. And it is pretty much preempted what we're going to play before we hit the stage. Although it sometimes can change and quite often changes depending on if somebody asks for a, re a request or something like that. Or maybe we'll just feel that there's a slow song coming up and people are really into it and we want to keep the momentum going. But we do use a set list. Wall to Wall used to use a set list, um, but not. It wasn't always the same every single night, and it was usually hastily scribbled at the side of the stage or backstage before we went on, because we had so many songs to choose from. Solo and High and Dry um, and Innovation as well, the, the duo, we, we don't really use set lists. I used set lists when I had, when we did the shows, uh, the, the, the Christmas tours, because we wanted to know what we were playing and when, and then we could plan it better. But that was a bit more like an everyday thing. It's a four-week tour of the same thing every day, same format. So I feel it's important that you have an idea of what you're going to open with and what you're going to close with. And I think bands should probably scribble a set list before they go on so that there's no talking between all of, all, you know, if you've got four or five members of a band up there and they're all going, what do you reckon? What do you think? So it's good to just have a plan before you get up there. Solo, I don't use a, a set list at all because as, a, as one song's playing, I'm thinking about what would come next. So I'm more in the moment and more entertaining and trying to keep the energy up by doing what I do. And the, the, the Oasis tribute, Oasis tribute, we, we, we have a set list that we scribble an hour before we go on. So we're on the same page and it stops discussions between songs. But that's all it is, Jan. That's, that's it. With regards to posters in these days, all social clubs that you play have notice boards. And if they've got notice boards, then they like to have a poster up there. But you don't need a big A3 thing or an A2. You, you just need an A4. And, and a lot of the time, you'll reach far more, more people by putting it as an event on social media than you will by putting a poster up in the venue. But in the venue, is the, you know, the social clubs where people are members and come there every week, you know, they, they, um, they like to, some people are old fashioned. They like to have their notice boards. Some people still say to me when it's a new venue, can you send me a CD of you singing so I can check that you're okay? I'm like, what? That was 20 years ago. Come back 25 years ago, mate. You know, but I don't say it like that. I'm always respectful. And, I, and you know, and if they, if they request that, then I do it. But I always say to them, I could be anybody if I'm sending you a CD. And if you, you know, if you want some live stuff, I'll send you a couple of live things that I've done on um, on YouTube or I'll send you a, you know, for the, for the time it's going to take you to burn a CD, find a quiet place, pick up an acoustic guitar or go out, in my case, go out to the studio, put your camera on, film yourself singing a couple of songs, put it on YouTube and send them the link. And then they can see that you're 100% live. And, you know, for the same time it's going to take you to record something. So do it, you know, that way I feel you'll you reach more people in these days of YouTube and stuff like that. 
We don't. We used to send lots of posters out, Jen. Wall to wall, used to send lots of posters out. We had a big orange poster. It was an A2, and um, we used to send it out with a picture of the band on it, and it said, "Are you ready to party?" And uh, most people were, to be fair, when we got there. But we used to send that out, and it was uh, it was good. It was a good thing to do. But that kind of dwindled away, maybe ten years ago. And now and again, we send the odd one out. And sometimes if we're a new act or I'm a new act at a new venue, then out of courtesy, I'll email them a poster that they can then, you know, sort out and blow up and, and take, take care of at their end. But posters used to, we used to feel like posters were just a way of, of attracting attention. But these days, nobody looks at posters. I think you know, I mean, let, let's let's be let's go off track a little bit. I mean, nobody looks at the Mona Lisa anymore. Nobody looks at anything anymore. They only back into it and take a selfie. So, you know, it, it's a bit like posters. Nobody's going to read a poster anymore. They're only going to look at something where they, you know, where they spend the most time and where people spend the most time is on their phone. And I think that the phones and Facebook and social media are very much. First of all, they're killing the art of conversation. But secondly, it's a little bit like you're at one party and you feel there's a better party going on somewhere else and you keep checking in to see how many people are there, you know. So people are on their phones so much more. So we, we kind of said, well, this is the way to promote it. And coming back to Rick earlier, I said to you uh, about promoting your live stream, always social media. You know, if you're going to stream something on social media or you're going to promote something and that venue has a social media page you know sometimes it doesn't take very long for me to let's say go on the Ambleside Club in South End to go onto their page and to create a post that says we'll be there on the 20th of whatever you know look forward to seeing you because that's where people are doing most of their uh, browsing certainly at the moment where most people are doing most of their shopping and uh, in indeed, where most people are having their conversations. So uh, at the moment, everything is pretty much social media, and I, and, and I can't see that changing. So no, Jen, we, we don't send any posters out, and we use a set list if we feel there are too many in the band to try and all communicate over a course of seconds. High and Dry, the duo, uh, we don't use set lists. We trust each other, Ken and I, and I call the song as, it, as it's about to play or just before. Or, and to be fair, he'll be the first one to admit that on stage, I kind of call the shots, you know, in as much as I'll sing a few songs and then when, I, when I'm suddenly needing to take a break or get a sip of water, then I'll say to him, can you do something? And I might even tell him what one to do. But it's not, you know, not that he's a puppet and he needs to be told what to do. It's just he trusts me. And I trust myself that I'm going to get the best result for the audience. I'm not going to choose the wrong song. So as long as, you know, he trusts me and I'm, of course, I trust him. I'll always say, you know, do, do this one, do that one, try that one. And while he's doing that, I'll, I'll be preparing a couple of other songs for myself, thinking about them and getting them ready. So it keeps it moving. It's just a, just a thing that we do. But uh, Jan, I'm, I'm glad you're loving the podcast. And I'm glad that I don't blind anybody with science. Because if, when I am blinded with science... It's the loneliest place in the world. Oscar in Greys. Sorry, Oscar, it says Gary's, but I'm assuming it's Greys. 
Hi, Marcus. I just wonder, what is the strangest show you have played and why? Um, there are two that spring immediately to mind, Oscar. The first one was for a garden party. Bearing in mind, we were wall-to-wall and we were a bit of a, of a young rock band, rock and roll band in our early 20s. Somehow, we ended up performing a corporate garden party for Teresa Gorman, who was a conservative MP. And we did it, and I think it was in Allsit. And we went to her house, and we set up in the garden and played a, a show for her for two hours in the afternoon. And um, at that time, we were trying to we were trying to be cool, Oscar. You know, we were trying to be the next big thing, and but they were so nice to us, and they rang us up, and uh, I think it was her personal secretary, who I believe was called Yolanda, who said that. Teresa Gorman had seen us perform at a show we did for the mayor, which is actually true. We did play a show for the mayor, but it was uh, like a festival and we were one of the headline acts. And uh, she had seen us and she asked if we would play a garden party. Now, as it was, we, we minded our P's and Q's and we went and did the job and we were solid and we we were respectful we used acoustic guitars we did like an unplugged set because we felt like garden parties saturday afternoon let's keep it nice and laid back and, and there was none of that running around business or thrashing it or getting everybody's faces so that was a strange one because it didn't feel like we should be there because we were a rock and roll band playing a garden party for a, a very well known conservative mp who who i, I must say regardless of which way I voted, was, was a charming lady and was very, very nice as a person and was very hospitable. And, and um, everybody around her and everybody that was there on that day was very, very nice and with nice people with nice manners and nice things to say about us. And we were a bunch of gore blimeys playing a rock and roll show in the afternoon for, for Teresa Gorman. Um, but it was a good show. We, re- we did video it, I think. It was recorded. And when we watched it back, we were quite happy with how we sounded. But yeah, that was, a, that was one of the strange ones. The other one was, it wasn't necessarily the show, Oscar, but I played at a place uh, about 20 years ago. And it was called The Wooden Hut. And it was in Stamford. Now, I don't know if it's still there. But Terry was the lady who ran it, and it was the wooden hut. And I got a phone call on the Thursday. I was there on a Friday night. And I got a phone call on the Thursday to say, you're booked to play tomorrow. We're looking forward to having you. We just wondered if we could ask you a favor. So I said, yeah, of course, Terry, you know, whatever you want. Well, she said, because it's Children in Need night, we're trying to raise some money for Children in Need. We've got a conquer competition. And we wondered if in your break, if you took a longer break, so maybe 45 minutes instead of half an hour, would you compare it? So I had to cut. So I said, of course, yes. So I finished my first set at about, I think I did 8.15 to 9.15. And then at quarter past nine, we had our quarter finalists in this conquer competition. And I had to judge it. And make it a bit of fun and try to talk to the, you know, the competitors and make little jokes about, um, 
know, did you put them in the oven? How do you toughen your conkers? And just, just, just really cheesy, silly, you know, silly things like that. I just wondered how you, how you, you know, but you wish you had bigger conkers. Just really stupid, stupid stuff. But, you know, I, f- I was thinking on my feet a little bit. And um, so to compare a conquer competition was probably the, one of the strangest things I ever had to do. Just because it was, it was totally the last thing I expected to be asked to do. But I did it. I did it with a good heart. And it was fun. So two shows spring to mind. There, Oscar, I hope that answers your question. Do you have a song in your head? Here at Innovation Studios, we are ready to make your dreams happen. Turn your ideas into full songs. With a team of professional musicians, engineers and producers, we can turn even the simplest demo into full studio quality recordings. Even the biggest journey begins with one small step. Call now and start the adventure on 07803 597 991 or go to www.innovationstudios.com. Lewis from Well, this is obviously branching out of this podcast. Real. R-H-Y-L. Yeah, it's real. Hi, Marcus. We're a five-piece band wondering how we can save space on stage in some of these little venues we play. Hello, Lewis. Always a headache because five-piece band as well. I'm assuming um, you've probably got a singer, a guitar player each side, a bass player and drums. So I'm assuming it's that. Okay, let's say it's that. How can you save space on stage? We sometimes we we use, and and still now we have to sometimes, uh, even as a duo or a trio, or whatever. Sometimes we use what they call a staggered system. So you end up with, um, let's say, your guitar player, your, your guitar player, stage left. You end up with your bass player stage left, but not directly in front of the guitar player and not beside him, just slightly in front of him, a bit like a staircase. It, that, you know, that you're just stepping, stepping, you know, that out. The other thing as well, microphone stands and things like that, you can always have them coming in from the side. So if you, if you have them, let's say, let's say you've got two backing vocalists, you've got your stand stood up. If you have them coming in from the side, then you can, you've got that room to move. I think also sometimes you can run a uh, mic stand behind the speaker and then have it coming in from the side and it's basically taking up the same amount of space as the speaker stand but sticking out. But when we don't have any room, we often stagger and uh, one, one member of the band will go slightly in front of the other one and then it's not, it's not that obvious, but it just makes a bit of room. Also, there are things like... You can stand your guitar amp on top of the bass amp, which won't make a a, a massive difference. We're talking about trying to get some space here, Lewis. So you can stand your guitar amp on top of um, the other, uh, another uh, bass amp. The other thing as well, sometimes look at the gear you're using. If you're playing a little venue and you all turn up with Marshall Stacks, you're pretty stuffed. So is there a way where you play a certain venue you're able to use a smaller amp, but get the same result. 
are you able to DI your guitar through, um, you know, if, if everything's coming through the PA at the front, are you able to DI your guitar straight into the desk so you don't need your amp for that night? Because, I mean, Oasis used to play at a venue called the Brookhouse in Hayes. A five-piece band, of course, Oasis, and hardly any room at all. And we found the way of, in the end, we would stagger the, stagger the, the, the way we stood. I used a smaller amp, or I would put my amp to the side and then put a mic on it. So my, 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 my um, amplifier was kind of out of sight. It was just down the side of the stage. But the head, the head was on the stage, so I could still make uh, any adjustments. But the sound of the guitar was coming out of the front speakers and out of the monitor. So there are things like that. You know, if, if you play a venue and you turn up, I think all guitar players like to get a certain sound all bands like to have a certain sound and if you've got the room that's great but you know all, all bands like to have a room full of people having a great time as well and if you've got no room up there and people are bumping into your equipment and knocking knocking things flying you need to look at how you set up so amps normally at the back i'd say if you've got a small enough amp put it on top of the bass amp maybe one of your guitar players could just get the sound that they want or use their pedals with uh, some, some of these output pedals like the Boss, the boss outputs, uh, the boss, boss pedals, the GTs and things like that. These days have amps in. So when they come out of there, they, you know, they go straight into the desk and they sound fine. So you can always cut down space like that. There's been times, a few times where we haven't used an amp and I've used uh, the, the Line 6 pod, which is what I use anyway, or my pedals with uh, you know with an amp simulator so the sound is the same for the people at the front just my amp slightly different on stage but it's really about what the people at the front hear it's not necessarily what about what you can hear when you've got no room common sense lewis really as well run your cables through the drums so once your drummer sets up you can run your cables through the drum stands and then have them coming out so that you've not got them loose all over the stage to trip over there are also, there are things like your guitar players might want to use a wireless system. If there's wireless systems are getting more affordable, and if your guitar players have got wireless systems, there's nothing there to trip over, there's nothing there to bump into. Sometimes um, your singer being to one side or right, or, or right at the front with a wireless or whatever, I think we've all played venues where we don't have the room, and we've all had to adapt, and the, the stagger system is the first way of doing it. Amps on top of other things or amps down the side with a microphone on so, so that the sound is there and it still comes out the front of house. But um, I think a lot of the time, common sense and also pride, guitar players being able to say, I've got a second option for, for smaller venues. Put a time in, you know, go away and have a listen to your sound and how can I get a similar sound using a smaller amp so that if I ever turn up somewhere and I've got no room, I can use a smaller amp and still know that I'll still be able to get 85 to 90% of what I normally have once I've mic'd it up. So smaller amp and mic it so it comes out through the PA rather than a Marshall stack that you don't mic. Just, just things like that, all right? But you'll find a way. Um, Andrew in Rochford. Hi, Marcus. I just wondered what is the best and the most professional way of approaching for payment at the end of the night? Hello, Andrew. You know, this is a valid question because some people do worry about 
asking for money, you know, at the end of it. it. It's just that awkward sort of, can I have my money moment. And some people are conscious that they want to be seen as, as being in it for the money. They want to sort of go, oh, we had a great night. Can we get some dosh off you? Okay. So over the years, there's been many, many, many ways that we've done this. And it might have just been, it's, you know, if we played there a few times, then there's no problem. You can make a joke about it. You know, we want to get some money at night or what? But a lot of the time, we, the, the, we, we've approached it in very, many, many different ways. Usually you've said, do I need to sign anything or Hi, do, do I need to sign anything for my money or whatever? But I find the most foolproof way and the probably most polite way and the, and the way that doesn't need too much conversation is before you go. And if you're playing somewhere, Andrew, then you should, you know, assuming that you're, you know, you're advertising it and you're playing there. Uh, so therefore, technically, you're declaring it as earnings, let's say. So you should have an invoice or at least some headed paper, which you then hand over. And you have, and if you have an invoice printed out for that show on that night, which doesn't take a minute, does it? Then all you can do is you can say to the bar girl or whoever it was on there, can I leave that with you? And then after five or ten minutes, if you haven't heard anything, you can go back and say, sorry, did you pass that invoice on? Because first of all, it looks more professional. Secondly, you don't have to have that, can I get some money, please, moment, where it feels a bit awkward. Thirdly, they have a receipt for their money. And they have a professional invoice. What they choose to do with it's up to them. But, you know, let's say most venues like to have that. So rather than have that awkwardness where you're trying to chase your money, which still happens even to, you know, people like myself been in the game for years. I still got to chase someone just to have an invoice and to be able to say, I've got an invoice. Who, who do I see? Because then it's obvious that you're asking for money. I've got an invoice. Who do I see? But it's like you're doing them a favor. Um, I've got an invoice for you. Who do I see? And it's a lot more professional than who do I see to get my money from or how do I get paid, you know, but it comes with experience. So have a print yourself off um, an invoice and approach it that way or just say, uh, do I need to sign something? Do you need me to sign something? And then that, that obviously is like when people sort of look at the waiter and make the universal sign for check. Nobody pays by check anymore. They only pay by credit card, but we still do that, that writing in the air because it's like, would you like me to sign something? If you called a waiter over and go, oh, I want to pay by credit card, you know, you'd be seen as being disrespectful. Well, I don't know why. It doesn't sound like disrespectful, does it? But that's the best way, I find, to have no awkwardness, to be professional and to be solid. One more question. And that comes from Katrina in Orsit. Hi, Marcus. We're a four-piece band, and we often have arguments over who should operate the PA when we are self-contained, as sometimes it's difficult. How does it work for you? Uh, headaches, Katrina. Headaches. Um, you, you always need to, to have the PA in a place where you can get to it, first of all. But the, the other thing as well is that each member of the band might want, if you've all got access to the PA, you're, you're all going to twiddle it, right? So the answer, I suppose, is... If, first of all, it's a no-brainer. If you have a singer who doesn't play an instrument, it's a no-brainer. He does it or she does it or they do it, right? Because their hands are free, they can carry on singing, they can make adjustments. Um, the hardest thing about playing guitar is when you're, you're all playing instruments and then you've got to keep trying to tweak stuff while you're trying to play because you have to physically stop playing in order to tweak the buttons. 
So if you've got a singer who doesn't play anything, they should operate the PA, end of conversation. Or you need to have one of the guitar players have it either on top of their amp or just to the left of them so that it's always within reach. The other argument being that whoever owns the PA should be the one who presses the buttons. That's, another, that's quite a good argument, that. But the most important thing is, I think when you're self-contained, the thing to remember is that nobody, and I mean nobody, plays the same in soundcheck as they do live. So when you soundcheck and you're happy with the levels, I guarantee that when you go on and there's adrenaline and people are hitting the drums harder, playing the bass louder, thrashing the guitars harder, playing the acoustic harder, singing harder, because they're, they're, they've got a rush of adrenaline, you're going to need to make some adjustments. It's handy if you've got, you know, a, a family member or somebody else who's able to sit at the side of the stage to do that. But how many people, how many times have we seen that? You know, I think the answer, particularly self-contained bands, is with experience, you learn your levels. And then when you go on stage, you very rarely touch them. The microphones are fairly are loud enough. The guitars are loud enough. And, and you know what? If, if you suddenly find that every time the guitar player goes into a solo, it can't be heard, then he needs to look at his amp settings rather than somebody swelling the solo in using their, their PA input or, you know, that sort of thing. Everything when you're self-contained should come from the amps and from the singer. If your guitar player is playing his guitar and it can't be heard, or he, he, he switches channels and they can't be heard, he's got to change the channels so that they're consistent when they come out the front. This comes with experience. If you have to have somebody who has to turn up the, the rhythm guitar players or the lead guitar players' in, input every time he goes into a solo, then he needs to find a way of going into a solo by using a pedal booster or a sound booster and leaving the sound mic level exactly where it should be. And I know it's common sense, Katrina, but some people, you know, these things take a while to learn sometimes. They're, they're not always obvious. So you don't need to be playing about too much. Once you get your sound, as long as your microphones are loud enough, your guitars are loud enough, your levels are fine, there shouldn't be an awful lot for you to do. And sometimes you just have to grin and bear it, finish the song, and then say, turn it up a bit, do it between songs. You don't want to be playing about too much between songs so um, sometimes you have to it's inevitable but a lot of the time you shouldn't have to mess about with the sound once you have it it should be there it should be set and you should be ready to go so but if you need any further information um, email me and if I've got to draw diagrams and all that Katrina I'll do that it's not a problem I've got nothing better to do anyway at the moment we're all uh, I've got no shows to play that about wraps it up. Some good questions there today, and I enjoyed answering them. And I'm sorry, once again, the quality uh, of the sound is me in my car talking to my phone. But uh, every so often, this has to happen. It's only the second time. Give me, a, give me a fair shake of the setup here. A pleasure as always, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to you. I loved it. I always enjoy doing it. Um, I always enjoy reading your questions. Don't forget, if you want to send me something, it's innovationstudiosuk at gmail. That's the email that you need to send it to. Alternatively, you can www.innovationstudios.com. You can send it there. 
and I'm sure you could probably Instagram or you could probably um, Facebook page or Twitter. There are three other options there. Do you know what? I wish I could say, you know, how to do it, but I'm sure you could probably tweet and get hold of us that way. We are on all of the social media at Innovation Studios. So until next week, stay healthy, stay safe, stay sane. And I look forward to, well, chatting to you next week and receiving your questions. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Kieran, who continues to make my podcasts sound great, even when I'm talking to my phone in my car. Thanks for your hard work, mate. And thanks to everybody who subscribed. Thanks to everybody who listens in. Thanks to everybody who sends questions. Thanks to everybody who sends the shortcuts out and uh, advises other people that you should listen to this podcast. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Yours in music. I'm signing off. It's about time I got out of here. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.